an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and I've got Bob Savage here in studio with me. I'm back. Yep, back. Better than ever. And, uh, we, you know, we had some fun yesterday. Kevin was in studio, and uh, so if you guys missed yesterday's show, definitely check it out. Um, we had a pretty good discussion on the New York State budget, putting a hundred million dollars of our money, by the way, uh, they'll say it's government money, it's our money, uh, into publicly funded campaigns. So definitely check out the discussion. Um, I think you'll find it kind of interesting. Yeah, the takeaway here is Cuomo wants you to pay for elections. Yeah. He wants you, wants you to pay for campaign costs mm-hmm. because it's all going to come out of taxpayer. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, it's kind of interesting because we always talk about how they line their buddies' pockets, right? And now that it's just even easier because they can be like, hey, buddy, give me some money. And then the taxpayer is going to fill in the blank for you, you know, that great? a couple zeros. What a, what a country. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to welcome everybody who's listening to the show. We've got listeners from all over, um, on various platforms and stations. I've got you guys here on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we're on the WYSL stations. We're on the WACK WAC stations. Mm-hmm. And I think we're being picked up by another station or two. Right? Why? I'm so- glad you brought that up, Andrew. We're very pleased to be back on once again, down in the twin tiers, uh, Frank Acom, our good uh, friend and the host of Frankly Speaking on WENY, News Talk Radio in Elmira Corning, uh, has let us know that uh, he's picking up Radio Free New York, and you'll hear us every day from, I believe it's 3 to 4 p.m.? Yeah, I think that's the time I heard, too. Uh, Yep, uh, a confirmation from uh, Bob D. in the headphones here. Thank you, Robert. Uh, Yeah, so that you can hear us uh, down in Elmira. And, of course, you're listening to us. You probably already know. Uh, 1230 a.m. in Elmira, 1450 a.m. in Corning, and throughout the region on 106.9 FM. There you go. So you can you can hear Radio Free New York across the state. And if for some reason uh, you can't hear Radio Free New York on the radio waves in your town, your village, city, wherever you are, um, pick up the phone, call your favorite radio station and say, hey, um, I'd like to hear Radio Free New York. And uh, they can reach out to WYSL and we'll see if we can't uh, get the show done there, too. Ah, we'll, 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 we're very accommodating. It's very easy. By the way, there's no charge for this. So if the uh, if the uh, local affiliate that you're talking to or would-be affiliate says, I don't know if I can afford that. Say so you can afford free, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? There you go. I just have to give up a couple commercial slots. But uh, basically, I mean, like, we have a local signal going down through Allegheny County. So our friends down in Wellsville, I know, mm-hmm. down in Hornell, uh, down in, oh, Bath, 
That's Devon County, I know. Um, uh, over towards uh, Salamanca, Olean. We're like a local in Olean, believe it or not. Yeah, There's yeah, pounds in Olean. Yep. Uh, if you'd like us to be on those stations, uh, call your local station, have them call us, and uh, we'll get you all hooked up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and just think about that, too. You know, not only will you get to hear it, but, you know, your friends and neighbors will start to hear some common sense, which uh, is pretty rare nowadays, I think, um, in media in general. Um, so try and break through that mainstream media mindset, talk about things that other people aren't talking about, and uh, maybe in a different way, offering a different perspective, um, which is a good lead into what we're going to do today um, and the next few Wednesdays days at least we're going to have what i have dubbed white house wednesday Ooh, fun. yeah so what white house wednesday is going to be um is on wednesday i'm going to talk national politics um typically geared towards the white house or the presidency um you know if you guys are lucky maybe eventually i'll talk about impeachment those of you who huh. have been listening to the show know that Everybody else is talking about impeachment. So I've essentially avoided the topic to give you a fresh breath of air and talk about something a little different. Um, but we'll we'll probably discuss that at some point. And um, what I have already started to do is reach out to presidential candidates from all parties. And that's what I'm going to try to do is get a couple interviews for you guys um, of candidates – and yes, I'm even reaching out to Democrats. So I know that's that's going to be on your guys' minds. Um, I want to give them the chance to to explain some of their policies because some of these policies that I see, and we're going to talk about a few of them today, uh, are extremely outlandish, uh, a bit ridiculous. Um, but these people want to govern the nation. So I would like to hear from them whether I agree with them or not. And hear their side of what they think is uh, right for us. And I intend to challenge them on that and discuss it with them and have an open dialogue. Um, so I'll invite the Democrats. I don't know how many will or won't show up. Um, of course, the Libertarians. There are a few Republicans running for president, uh, um, you know, to primary against Trump. I don't know that um, many people know that or not, but there's three that I know of. Um, of course, we'll reach out to Trump and see if he's got the time. Time. Um, uh, who knows? Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Um, and any other third party candidates that are out there, because as a candidate who ran, um, I have ran as a Republican before. I've also ran as third party. I understand how hard it is to break through mainstream media. And you could have the best, most common sense, right answer for the American people, whether it's local, um, countywide, statewide or national. And if you're not the media's buddy, uh, you don't get the coverage that doesn't break through. Um, so for me, what I figured is we would use this platform on Wednesdays to allow some of those ideas to come out that might not hit mainstream media. Um, maybe it's just not being talked about. And then we can sit there and we can analyze it. We have Thursday, the day after the show, and even Friday, if it took that long, to really break apart these people's policies and ideas and see if there's anything good there or if it's just all garbage. I mean, <laughs> either way, you know. Um, so so I want to do that. 
Um, this won't be like going into it with any specific biases um, or trying to ignore people's solutions. Um, I'm going to be extremely skeptical. I imagine you guys will be too. I think that's the best thing we can be. Um, and who knows? Maybe we find something we agree. I'm sure there's going to be plenty that we disagree on, but it's a conversation that I think is important to happen, and uh, maybe we'll all be better for it. So with that being said, I need feedback from you guys. I need to hear from you. I need you guys to send me emails. I need you to send me Facebook messages, comments on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook. Call into the show and let me know what answers do you want these people or what questions do you want me to ask these people? What's most important to you? Is it healthcare? Um, is it the uh, student debt crisis, which we're going to talk about a little bit today? Um, maybe it's Second Amendment rights. Obviously, that question is going to come up. This is it couldn't not come up on this show. Yeah, I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> um, but maybe there's some other things. You know, maybe it's federal income tax. Maybe um, it's you know inflation. Maybe it's minimum wage laws. You know, tell me the things that are most important to you that you want to hear each presidential candidate, even if you think there's not a chance in your life that you're going to vote for them. What question do you want to hear them answer? And that's why I want to hear from you guys. So if you guys send me those messages, I will make sure to go through them. Even if you're hearing this like well off after, I mean, there's what, like 47 Democratic candidates now <laughs> or something like that. I think they're down to 15. I, I, think, think. They're down to, I think they're down to 46 now that yeah. Kamala Harris has gone. Yeah, so they're, they're dropping like flies. So who knows? Um, but there, there's a lot of those. Like I said, there's at least three Republican candidates I know of. I think there's seven Libertarian candidates right now. Um, by the way, there's – I don't know. You guys probably don't know this. There is most likely going to be – a libertarian primary for president in New York State. This hmm. will be the first presidential primary from a third party in the nation, I think, in America's history. Um, so very cool stuff coming up. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk about college education, the student debt crisis. I'm going to give you some background. And we're going to talk about Bernie Sanders' take on how we're going to fix this. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, all right, guys. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. You're listening to Radio Free New York. Yes, we have breaking news on Radio Free New York today. 
Yes, uh, we uh, we told you at the beginning of the show that we're we're on uh, uh, more stations. We've expanded the network here, uh, and now we have the correct the correct appellation, the correct uh, names for our Elmira affiliates. It's now the Patriot. Oh, okay. The nice. Pa- I like that. Yeah, the Patriot twelve thirty a.m. in uh, in Elmira fourteen fifty in Corning, and there are two FMs we're on. Down Beautiful. There. Uh, nice. Uh, at 3 p.m. Uh, weekdays, 106.9. That's kind of like down on the south side. And then 103.3 looks from Radio Locator. looks like it's up in Horseheads, okay. the th- northern part of the town. So uh, 106.9, 103.3, and the two AMs are 1230 and 1450, the Patriot. Frank Beautiful. Aikum, thank you very much. And uh, uh, maybe one of these days we'll crash the party on Frankly Speaking and there call you, you up go. in the morning and harass you. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Very cool. So I think that puts us on nine different frequencies now. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, yes, yes, it's nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, that's that's great. So um, if you missed the first part of the show, definitely um, if you're hearing this, maybe you're hearing it live stream, maybe you're checking us out on YouTube, and you want to get us on your car ride home or to work or whatever, and you turn on your local radio station and you don't hear Radio Free New York, uh, pick up the phone, call them, and say, hey, I'd like to hear Radio New York five days a week on the station. Where's Radio Free New York, yeah. man? Hey, buddy. And uh, we will keep you know, just expanding across New York State, and uh, we'll, we'll just have a whole lot of fun here. Um, so today is our first White House Wednesday. White House Wednesday is where we're going to talk national politics, especially things related to the presidency. Um, kind of self-explanatory there, but figured I'd explain it just in case. Um, so today what we're going to talk about is uh, college education and the student debt crisis. Um, very important to talk about because uh, there are two presidential candidates that I know of. I'm sure there's a few others, but these two are kind of rising to the top right now in discussions of student debt forgiveness. That's Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Probably no surprise to most of you, but they've they've come out with their policies. Some of their policies have been out for a while now, um, but it's being talked about more and more. And it is the second largest um, held debt in the nation right now. So it's we're not talking about some small amount of you know pennies here or anything. This is this is a big deal. It's one point four trillion dollars is what we're talking about. So mm. and let's see, government got involved in that, and it was nothing like that until they got involved. See how this happens, folks? Yeah, yeah, and that's actually one of the things that that I think is important to point out. You know, we're talking about one point four trillion dollars. That was as of last quarter, so it's estimated that's already up to one point six trillion dollars. Yeah, and aye. I mean, it's it's the fastest growing debt. Um, is second only to mortgages. Mortgages are the only other thing that holds more debt in the nation right now, um, and it puts about 44.2 to 45 million people in debt in our nation. And the real tragedy is it's not dischargeable in bankruptcy, and you've got these kids, you know, these young adults, 22, 23, 24 years old, they are welded to this debt. Yeah. They cannot get rid of it. And, you know, the way this whole thing plays, just in case you haven't thought this out, moms and dads who've got kids who are in college right now, uh, 18-year-olds can't get loans. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's no way an 18-year-old is going to get a loan for a college, uh, you know, uh, financial aid package that you're going to be out of pocket fifteen grand a year, for example, yeah. which is not unusual. Mm-hmm. That's 60 k 
So who is going to uh, be the co-signer for your darling little Mm 18-year-old? You are. So you're going to be in a nursing home at age 80. Yep. And you're going to be paying off these student, student loans. loans. Yep, the kids will still be living in your house by then too. Right, I mean, that's, right. Because that's what's happening. Well, they'll shuffle right you now. off to the nursing home so they can yeah. have your house. Yep. Yeah. I don't mean to be you know crass about it, but it, it's it's the reality of the situation. It, it certainly is. And um, a big issue that I have with this whole crisis, and and you kind of alluded to it, how the, this is really caused by the government, right? And you're going to see candidate after candidate after candidate come forward with a plan that creates more government to fix a problem that was created by more government. And if you guys can't see the writing on the wall here, um, it's it's not going to work. So right now, the overwhelming majority of these loans are all federally backed. This isn't private debt. This is government debt. Um, More than 70% of the students that graduate, graduate with student debt. Um, The average number was pretty interesting to me. I thought it was way more. This must be only two to four year degrees um, because they're saying the average debt for college um, loans is 37,000, which to me seems very low, very low. It's still, you know, but uh, if you have no income. It's still, oh, a da- yeah. no, it's still a daunting amount yes, of money. Yes, but I guess um, I was expecting it to be closer to eighty or even a hundred thousand. Um, but yeah, no, thirty-seven thousand. That's that's a pretty nice car, <laughs> you know. I mean, when you think about what thirty-seven thousand could get you, down payment for a house. It's yep, it's the way easy. that you get to launch into young adulthood. That's when you get married, hopefully, and have kids. Yeah, and those kids learn how to be Americans and you know not be little communists. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, it's it's that's a terrible thing. How how's a kid who's going to work at uh, I don't know Starbucks or mm-hmm. McDonald's or you know changing oil yep. at the gas station? How are they going to pay off thirty seven grand? Yeah, no, it's 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 a huge amount of money, much smaller than I thought it was. But that doesn't downplay how big it is. Um, and and there's some interesting stuff about this. The first is um, Patrick Healy, who is the founder and president of Caliber Financial Partners, says that uh, experts believe that student loan defaults have the potential to adversely impact the U.S. economy, which could trigger another recession. So let's think about that for a minute. Um, we're talking about you know economics seem to be doing pretty decent right now. I'd like to say, um, but. There's so much debt out there that can't be paid back because there was no value created in acquiring that debt that we could fall into another recession because why? Oh, government was backing loans and subsidizing a product, that product being higher education, um, that wasn't at the value that people were receiving. Yeah, think about why, why was it necessary for government to back these loans? If these loans were a good business proposition, banks would have been lining up to, to, hey, let's all make some money off of this. No, because they know it's a bad scene. Yeah, yeah, which is why they had to make it so you couldn't (laughs) write them off in bankruptcy, you know, because they knew it would be the first thing to go. Um, it's, it's a big issue. So there, there's a couple serious issues that I have with how student debt is being acquired in our nation right now. One is there's no real qualifications to see if you can pay it back. I mean, when they go through the student loan process, it's not like when you buy a car, they're not going through your bank statements. They're not doing this. They're not doing their credit checks. Um, it's government backed. So they're extremely lenient on this. 
can we think of a time when people were extremely lenient with debt and it caused a problem? Hmm. Let mm. me think. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. The mortgage the meltdown. Mortgage. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So same exact thing is happening right now. Big issue. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. It's not a matter of if. Um, the other issue is schools don't guarantee jobs. There's no guaranteed anything you get for this. Society pushes students into debt, um, telling them that you have to have this college education. It's the only way that you're going to you know, make it in life. You can't be successful without it. And we push, push, push the teachers at school, the parents, the television, the media. Go to school. Get an education. You'll do great. You'll be successful. Um, and then they graduate with all this debt. They can't take care of themselves. And the students then recognize when they find out they can barely qualify for a job at Starbucks with their four-year degree that they were lied to. Society lied to them. That college counselor lied to them. Maybe their parents lied to them. And now students want a refund. <laughs> they want a refund on the lie. It doesn't work that way, but that's what they want. Well, the perverse way that this uh, tends to play out, though, is because they've been so indoctrinated, uh, they blame it on capitalism. Sure. They say, oh, well, yeah. you know, yep. so it's the rich guy that owns Starbucks. Yep. That's why I can't make $22 an hour or $50 mm -hmm. an hour, you know, uh, pouring coffee for people. It's because of, of so what, they, what you've institutionalized is envy. Yeah. Which is one of the seven deadly sins. Yeah, yeah, and and my my look at this is is pretty simple. Um, deep down inside, they they don't understand why it was wrong. They just they're blaming capitalism as to why it was wrong. But as society, we should look at how we are pushing these students into debt and lying to them and yeah. allowing schools to lie to them as wrong. Um, so understandably, and I'm not saying this is correct. I'm just saying understandably, I understand where they're standing. Um, they look at this and go, yeah, somebody else should pay off my debt. I was lied to. I took this under false pretenses. Now they think it's capitalism. It isn't. It's society, politicians, um, guidance counselors in schools. Um, College financial aid officers. All, all of those people. Yeah. Uh, those, those people, by the way, when you go to, to talk to uh, the college financial aid person who's so helpful and mm -hmm. so supportive yeah. and coming up with these packages, mm -hmm. that's not an educator, folks. That's mm -hmm. a car salesman. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, to the point when I went to college as a freshman, I was not going to stay in the dorms. And I was told that wasn't allowed. It was against school policy. I had to, even though I had an apartment only five, ten minutes away. And when I spoke with them about this, I literally had to get it cleared, not by housing, not by anybody other than the director of financial aid. I ultimately won. But think about that. Why is it that the director of financial aid had to clear me not living in the dorms? All right, guys, when we come back from our break, we're going to talk about two presidential hopefuls and their stance on how to fix this debt crisis. God help us. And yeah, yeah, I'll foreshadow it's not going to be great, guys. It's, it's going to be painful. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York.
Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. We are back here on Radio Free New York. It's White House Wednesday. We're talking about national politics, but we're going to hit pause just real quick because Bob brought up something over the break that I thought was worth talking about. Um, Oh, okay. So, so, yeah. So it's going to be potentially proposed to be a felony now to steal Christmas packages? Is there's, that- a, there's a state, well, it's any packages. There's a uh, state senator over in Half Moon, which is over near, uh, it's in central New York somewhere. And I, I can't remember the state senator's name. Uh, I believe it's a Republican. Uh, and they propose uh, to make it a felony to be a porch pirate. Now, we've all, uh, this is an increasing problem as people use more online shopping and more and more packages get dropped off on people's, you know, front porches front and porch. stoops and yep. whatever out in front of the garage. They're getting lifted mm-hmm. and uh, taking off. So this state senator has proposed to make it a felony if somebody steals. It's now a misdemeanor, obviously. I mean, the petty larceny is a is a, is a crime. It's yeah. already illegal. They want to, she wants to make it or he wants to make it a, a felony. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been pointed out to this perhaps well-intentioned, perhaps cynical uh, state senator with bail reform, which is about to kick in in about three weeks, yep. it won't make any difference. Yeah, because the, the, regardless felony misdemeanor, that person's going to get a, a uh, an appearance ticket. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And my my biggest issue with this is that pretty soon anything you do will be a felony. Anything. Yeah, that's that's heading that way. Petty, petty crime, small crime, whatever, um, and and that has huge implications on your life. Because then you can't vote, you know, you can't own a firearm, um, and essentially your rights are going to be taken away. You have kids now, um, they commit a crime and they lose their right to vote potentially for life. You know, before they're even old enough to uh, to vote. And the truth is... Which is, it, there's a little uh, cognitive disconnect here too, because what they're proposing also is that inmates in prison are able to vote. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just... All across the board, a little bit backwards here, the purpose of criminal justice is to help people reform and get better and get back on their feet. But every time you turn around the corner, they try to make a new law um, to make it even harder for people. You know, you're going to go do jail time for something that um, you should be rehabilitated on. And I I think that (laughs) we're just in such a lock them up society, regardless of who them is, um, that we don't stop and think for a moment that 
yeah, people make mistakes. There should be a way to rehabilitate, get them out of that mistake, recognize that a mistake was made. And I'm not talking about the guy who's got 37 felonies, right? Clearly that guy's got an issue and the criminal justice system has done us as the public wrong with that situation and that person wrong as well because why is somebody with 37 felonies and I'm talking about violent felonies, you know, assaulting other people and stealing them and attacking them, why is that person still out walking? Walking around while we're talking about <laughs> slapping people with a felony for stealing a package. Now, I'm not saying stealing a package isn't wrong. It clearly is. But I think that um, our lawmakers are so disconnected at this point. That well, it's a schizoid, it's, schizoid world that they live in. I mean, like in, in, uh, in California now, there's like no prosecution for anybody if they steal something and it's less than $950. Yeah, yeah. So what you have is you have all these petty thieves. They just come in and just they just blatantly help yeah. themselves to whatever's in stores, you yeah. know, a pair of sneakers, whatever it is that they want, walk out with it because they know that the shopkeeper's probably not going to report them because the crime won't be prosecuted. Yeah, yeah. And I think we'll find that begin to happen with felonies too, where felonies, um, once everything becomes a felony, I think law enforcement and the DA's office, especially with the new criminal justice reform, they are going to have to pick and choose what they enforce, and they're going to just stop enforcing a lot of things. Now, if these are non-violent crimes with no victim, um, I'll give you an example. There's a Republican senator, I believe, who has proposed making it illegal to ride in the left lane if you're not passing somebody. Right. Um, that's just an abuse of power and nonsense. You're annoying somebody on the road because you can't pass them fast enough. Like that, that shouldn't be a crime, you know, and, and other things like, you know, possession of drugs, which has kind of been decriminalized a little bit, but it's, it's really still a tax grab. You know, those things I'm fine with not enforcing those because in my opinion, if there's no victim, there should be no crime. Um, but I'm talking about the things where theft, theft, there is a victim there that should be considered crime. And if we get to the point where everything's a felony, guess what? The police and the district attorneys are going to stop prosecuting theft. And that's that's going to be an issue. And then more and more people are going to have break ins. And what's going to happen and this does happen already. And it frustrates me. Somebody breaks into your home. You fear for your life and maybe you shoot them. And then you shot them. You're the one going to, to court over it while they're prosecuting you over self-defense uh, because the criminals who are there to steal your property um, have become so bold that that's what they think is OK. So, yeah, I've I've got a big issue with stuff like that. Well, yeah, you got to bear in mind the uh, you can't look at the enactment of, of criminal statutes in a vacuum you got there it's all there's some interconnection there and what i mean by that is what do we wring our hands about mostly these days when it comes to drug issues? It's the opioid crisis. That's, sure. what, that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Opioid crisis. So how do you square the legalization of marijuana, which is a street drug, Mm-hmm. And which is, uh, as we know, has created some societal problems where it's been legalized. How do we square the message that opioid abuse is a terrible thing while, with the other hand, we're legalizing pot? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my my approach on that is is always going to be that you should allow people to put in their body what they want to put in their body, even if it causes them harm. 
It's when they turn around and cause harm to someone else that's a problem. And so I, I think the appropriate answer to that is going to be if if you legalize marijuana, pot, whatever, any type of drug, then you then have to still keep people responsible for their actions during that high or, or whatever that is. The same way we prosecute drunk drivers for their actions while they're intoxicated, um, the rules should still apply. You shouldn't be able to claim in court, oh, well, you know, I wasn't in my right set of mind because I was on a drug, so therefore, you know, I shouldn't be liable for these crimes. You know, I was impaired. Um, I, I think that that's the only way that make that work, keep people liable. Um, so when they take that drug, as long as they're not harming anybody else, great, do do what you want with your body. Um, the moment it begins to infringe on somebody else's rights, their freedoms, you do harm to them. Um, I think you should be totally liable for your actions, 100%. Yeah, and I think that the, 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 the pressure point there is the operation of motor vehicles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to get high in your own home, and you're just there watching TV. Uh, I, I guess that's probably a victimless crime, or maybe it shouldn't be a crime. Yeah. But then the problem, uh, of course, swings into action when you get behind the car, yep. or perhaps when you go out and interact with other people. Now, yeah. what, what about uh, you know? And there's a this is a, a fertile ground for a lot of uh, legal entanglement here because suppose you have minor children at home while you're getting high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think we see this with a number of other things, too, and we can look at those examples. Um, public intoxication is a great example. I think it used to be disorderly conduct as well, kind of like mixed in with that. Um, but it shouldn't be any different than if you're at home with your kids and you're drunk or you're at home with your kids and you're on some prescription drugs that just happen to be legal drugs, you know, prescribed by your doctor, whether that's you know, oxycodone, Vicodin, whatever they prescribe that for some people um, they end up being hooked on. They're opioids too, and they become impaired. You know, I think it should all be treated the same. We shouldn't have any special exceptions for anything. Um, make the laws simple, make them straightforward, give people a little bit of their life back, control over their lives. All right, guys, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have to say on how we're going to fix the student debt crisis. Can't wait. Yeah, we'll be back on Radio Free New York. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Radio Free New York. All right. We are back here on Radio Free New York. We are talking about the student debt crisis. And uh, I want to share with you 
what uh, Bernie Sanders, he's running for president. If you don't know about Bernie Sanders, I feel like most people know about him. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, it's really funny. I, I got a little one of these little Internet pictures on my phone a little while ago from a friend of mine. Uh, and it's a big snowy street. And there's like three feet of snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. And everybody's sidewalks are, you know, they're neatly shoveled yeah, yeah, yeah. in accordance with, with local ordinances. Of course. Then there's one house where there's just these forlorn-looking footsteps through the three-foot-high snow. Mm-hmm. It's completely clogged with snow. You can't get down that that uh, that part of the sidewalk. And there's a Bernie sign out in front. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, they were expecting everybody else to do it for him, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, so Bernie Sanders, he's running for president. Um, he's one of the Democratic hopefuls, and he has an answer to the student debt crisis, um, an answer I happen to disagree with. Tax but, the rich! <laughs> you know, um, I will give him credit where credit is due, though, because the two that I was looking at was Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Bernie Sanders actually has a plan as to how he's going to do this. The numbers don't add up 100 percent, and I'm going to criticize him on that. But he's open and transparent about who he's going to tax and how he's going to tax to pay for this. Whereas Elizabeth Warren just kind of says, we're going to pay for this, maybe with taxes, and doesn't give any of the information. Um, So Bernie Sanders, he wants to forgive an estimated 1.6% trillion dollars in student debt period end of story nobody left behind in his world a hundred percent of student debt totally covered and paid for um by look in the mirror you me everybody around us um is he delusional does he think that that makes the debt go away um so yes and no he he's actually and this is where i give him credit he he knows where the money comes from. He even says, like, really? federal government backs this stuff. Yeah, as I'm looking through his stuff, um, either him or whoever's writing his policy has done their homework. The federal government Which, doesn't back anything. Yeah. <laughs> the money comes from us. Yep, yep, absolutely. Government but, has no money. Yeah, well, I mean, we all know that, or do we? <laughs> Some of us do. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I give them credit for actually crunching the numbers and acknowledging some of some of the pitfalls because I didn't expect that. I, I didn't. Um, I think Bernie has his brand is kind of like crazy old white guy with wispy hair that says some pretty radical things. And young people really like him because he's kind of like, you know, the savior of of young people who are in debt. Right. Yeah, That's, Mr. Free stuff. Yeah. So um, I was impressed when I saw that there was a plan put together. There were some numbers and transparency. I'm big on transparency. Um, so what he says that he's going to do is increase taxes, which once again, transparency, at least he owns it and he's being honest about it. I'll give him that. Um, so he wants a 0.5% fee on all ta- on all stock trades, a 0.1% fee on all bond trades, and a 0.005% fee on all derivative trades. Oh, so great. uh goodbye investment industry. <laughs> exactly. They're all they're all headed to uh, Barbados. Yep. So what what he's saying he's actually staying on point with his messaging, right? Which is we're going to tax what he would call the rich, Wall Street's going to pay for it and he outlines a plan mm, that no, you know. No, they and, won't they won't. 
they won't pay no, for. No, they they won't. But at least he's being transparent, right? That's <laughs> and that's why transparent, yeah. transparent about his cluelessness. Yep. So I give him credit there for that. Uh, totally disagree with his plan, but I give him credit for it. Um, now here's here's where the numbers don't add up and where I've got a problem because at at first glance you look at the numbers. It actually adds up to two trillion dollars. We've got one point six trillion. So theoretically, um, you could say, "Oh, look at that! That means there'll be a surplus of four billion. Nope, uh, because or, or was that four hundred billion? Is that what that would have been? I think four hundred yeah. billion. Yeah, yeah. Um, that two trillion dollars takes ten years to acquire. Mm. Oh, okay. So, oh, mm. wait a minute. Now that's different. Yeah. So, so it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. Um, who's going to say, "Yeah, government, take more of my retirement money, which people are already struggling for, more of my investment money, to pay for debt that somebody else signed on for that I did not." That that is an issue. Um, so that's the Bernie Sanders plan. The Elizabeth Warren plan. And can I also point out too that the enact that just the mere enactment of a lunatic scheme like this is going to cause a stock market crash. Oh, what, sure. what is he? Yeah. This, this yeah. is this is the sacred cow he wants to milk, yep. and yeah. he's just poisoned it. Yeah, it it'll go away so quick, and and there will be loopholes. There's always loopholes, and people just use the loopholes. This won't happen. It won't fix anything. Um, it'll just change the stock industry as we know it today, um, and not to our advantage by any means. The the people on top, though, the one percenters, it'll change to their advantage. The people doing the trading, sure, but you know, the average guy like you and I will get less out of our investments, less in our retirements, and all of the students who thought their student debt was going to be paid off, it won't happen. Um, Elizabeth Warren's plan is a little different. She's going to cancel out student debt for what she says is 95% of borrowers. Sure. So, Why not? you know, to, you know, cutting out that top 5% of, you know, rich people, essentially, she doesn't say anywhere where she got those numbers from. So as far as I'm concerned, this is just 95% sound like a good number. So they went with it. Um, they're going to cancel 100% of the debt for about 75% of the borrowers. Once again, where these numbers came from just seems like fancy round numbers to me. Um, so what her plan is, they will cover $500,000 or not, sorry, $50,000 in student loan debt for every person with a household income of under 100000 Now, here's the first thing. Is that a single parent household? Is that a seven family household? Like how none of this is explained, not even in the, like the detail section of her website. It's very generic. It's just to make you feel like, yeah, I make less than $100,000. My student debt is going to be free. Um, then they say she will cancel substantial debt, air quotes for those of you who are listening on the radio, um, for every person with a household income between 100000 and $250,000. Once again, no explanation of is that a certain quantity of family members, single-parent household, two-parent household, um, what is substantial debt? These numbers are pretty unclear. So, um, so uh, we assume at this point that this applies to existing college debt. 
That's well. That's the assumption. Um, what about the kids that are going to college now? So, so both of them are saying that college is essentially going to be free moving forward too. And that that's the other issue I have with their numbers because even if their numbers added up today for the debt that was here today, what about the debt that creates tomorrow and the next day and the next day? What do you think the uh, the value of a diploma that you got for free is going to be mm. in the real world? Toilet paper. Yeah, toilet if that, if yeah. that, yeah. So it's just it's a lunatic scheme. It can't possibly work. And it, it, what you're proposing to do is to fix a government created problem with another government created program, as if that won't compound the problem. What, yeah. what has experience taught us? What have we learned from healthcare and Obamacare? Yeah, yeah. So my my solution is this: if we want to get the problem gone, we have to get government out of the problem. Right. That's I think I feel like that's straightforward, but clearly it's not. <laughs> clearly it's not. So I, I don't think that we should be looking at how can the government forgive student debt? How can the government forgive student loans? I think we should look at how do we get government out of handing out student debt? How do we get government out of federally backing these loans? Um, how do we get the government out of doing educational subsidies? And and then the value of education will actually show itself. The next thing we need to do is make education transparent. Make it so that when your child or you yourself applies to a school, that school has to provide you with a simple white paper or a document that says – this percentage of students that graduated got a job within six months that paid an average of this or a median of this, you know, whatever that is. Um, and you get that and it gets updated every six months. And guess what? If the college reaches out to the student and the student doesn't respond to the college, they have to put that category as, oh, we don't actually know, which means – if they just go based on the people that respond to them, they can say, oh, yes, yeah, 70% of the people that responded had a job, when realistically it's going to be if they pull, pull everyone, well, only we only got 10% respondents and only 4% actually got a job. Those are the real numbers that people need to see so that they can make a proper decision on this investment for the rest of their life. So get government out of becoming a bank and a financial institution. It wasn't meant for that. And get transparency into higher education. And guess what? We don't have to spend a single taxpayer dollar to do that. We, we don't. We don't have to raise taxes or any of that. We just have to be transparent and get out of this. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me here on Radio Free New York. Tomorrow we're going to talk about Virginia. And uh, they want to ban, like, martial arts and a whole bunch of other stuff for public safety, I think. And guns, guns, so, guns. Yeah, oh, guns, too, of course. Yeah, guns. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow on Radio Free New York.